Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 59 of the Clubhouse Convos podcast. Um, I am your host. Wow, I feel so feel so surreal being able to say that. Uh, Evan Mullings, uh, Colin Scully is out golfing this afternoon. Uh, beautiful day. Uh, I'm with Dan. Dan, how are you? Pretty good. Uh, glad to see that you're finally hosting an, an episode. I'm surprised in two years of the, or a year of the podcast, uh, you have not hosted one episode. So good for you, buddy. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, it was Colin's thing and, uh, you know, he, he does such a good job with it. So, uh, I don't know. I have big shoes to fill here. Newman, how are you? How's Boston? How's COVID treating you? Oh, it's, it's treating me well. I'm in, I think day four now of my isolation. <laughs> so I've got plenty of snacks. My family instacarted me shit from the stop and shot down the street yesterday. So. Yeah, it's tough, especially being in uh, quarantine on your birthday. Uh, you want you want to talk a little bit about your birthday and and how that was for you? I'm sure you didn't do much. Yeah, it was pretty funny. So I got the I got that Instacart in the morning, like right when I woke up. Some Hispanic guy just walked in and went our apartment and gave me all this food. And then my roommates <laughs> my roommates didn't know that, and they bought me also bought me snacks, but they bought me the same snacks. So now I have double the snacks. So it's I'm well, it's good. You, you, yeah, you have an endless pantry, and that's no problem. Yeah. So there you go. All right, um, so let's get right into it. Uh, we'll start with the NBA. We'll start with the Boston Celtics. Last night, the Boston Celtics went up three games to two against the Miami Heat, 93-80, the final of game five. Uh, coming back to Boston on Friday night, and the Celtics will have a chance to close out the series. Uh, Jason Tatum, uh, 22 points, 12 rebounds, nine assists last night. Uh, Celtics got 25 from Brown. Good play from Derek White, and again, it was Miami struggling to score. Um, so, Connor, I'll go to you first. Um, give me your thoughts on game five. Give me your thoughts on the series. And do you think the Celtics will close it out at home Friday to go to the NBA finals? Kind of crazy to say that. I know that is pretty wild. Um, it's been a pretty back and forth series. I feel like a lot of blowouts, not a ton of close games. I mean, game five, I thought you know, was slipping away from us. And then we dropped 30 plus in the third quarter, absolutely blow them out in the third quarter. And I kind of sealed the deal. I mean, Butler had nothing going out of bio. Rob Williams owned out of bio in the second half. He's been unbelievable. Uh, Tatum finally had a good game. And, and Brown, the consistent 25 point scorer every game. That's why he's better than Tatum. Um, I think they have a really good shot to end this in six. Uh, just the way the momentum we've built, even in game four as well, uh, and in game three, even though we lost, um, I really like our odds to go to the finals, presumably against the Warriors, which will be a tough test, but mm-hmm. we'll see. I, I really like our chances. Dan, what do you think? you agree with Newman? Um, I, I do think the Celtics are going to win. Um, I had them winning the series when we did the predictions. Um but just this series overall, it's just, it's very boring. I feel um, the the two games I've watched, they've just been blowouts, and it's just not gotten me interested to watch. I'm not an NBA fan as it is, so trying to watch these games, it just feels very hard. Um, when every game just seems to be a blowout, it seems the winning team is almost one by twenty almost every game, maybe besides two of them. But like, I don't know. It's just when one team is showing up, the other team's just kind of dogging it. So it's not that good of a series, I feel. But I do like the Celtics' chances. Um, but I guess we'll get into it when we t- kind of talk about the Warriors next. Um, I just 
I don't think either East team is going to beat the Warriors. I think the Warriors are just too good this uh, postseason. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, and I agree with both of you. Um, and, and right now, like I look to Miami and I see a team that is really struggling to score. And I think this has kind of been their Achilles heel. They can't, they don't seem to have any sort of rhythm in that half court offense, right? Where um, Kyle Lowry has been really bad since he returned. I, I don't even know if he had any points last night. Max Struess, your other guard. Oh, for his last 16 shooting the basketball. Jimmy Butler, there's something wrong with Jimmy Butler. I think he's injured. I think it's in his leg, in his knee still. Um, just not giving you that production. He's, he's trying to get to the rim, and he's just passing out. He's not being as, as aggressive as he used to be. Um, and bam, outside of that 27-point game, like he hasn't done much. So I think – it's been hard for them to find consistent scoring. And I think that's been evident, right? In, in game four, you score 82 or 83. And then in, in the game last night, you score 80. And I think if they want to win game six, they're going to need to find somebody to really take a hold of the scoring. Obviously, no Tyler Hero. So somebody's going to have to step up. If I'm them, I plug in Oladipo into the starting lineup over Struess. I think you have to make that change. Um, if you want to force a game seven. And I think the Celtics, their defense is phenomenal. And, and I think it's been really hard for Miami to do much of anything. Um, so we'll see. It, it's going to be a great game six. I'm sure the Garden will be electric, as it always is. Um, it was, it was kind of, it did kind of suck going to game four. I mean, the game was over, like, before it even, like, started. I mean, to go up 18-1, to one, like, it was exciting. But, uh, no, nah, the, the game was pretty much over. But, yeah, so big game Friday night for the Celtics. They will look to close that out and advance to the NBA Finals. That starts on June 2nd. Um, we'll shift gears here to the Western Conference. The Dallas Mavericks had a commanding win over the Golden State Warriors. 119-109, um, but in that fourth quarter, both teams went to backups for the most part. Um, Dallas was really in control. They were up about 20, 30 points the, for most of the way there with their starters in. Um, again, Luka Doncic, 30-point effort, 14 rebounds, nine assists. Uh, they got some production from Dorian Finney-Smith, who hit uh, a lot of threes, 23 points in the game. Reggie Bullock finally decided not to go 0-4. Uh, he put up 18, Brunson 15. So I ask you, Dan, um, no team has ever done it. Uh, in the playoffs in the NBA, no team has ever come back from 3-0. I believe it's 0-146 and all time. What do you think? What percent do you give the Mavericks to win the series and come all the way back? I know it's it's going to be a challenge, but again, Luka, you have Luka, and you're up 19, 20 points in game two. So it's a team that I think can battle. Um, what do you think? Give it a big fat zero. Um, it's a gentleman's sweep. They're going to give them one and then they're going to be on their way to the finals. Um, I think the Warriors are just too talented. There's too much chemistry. Uh, those guys have just all been together for so long. Steve Kerr, um, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, like they know how to win. They know how to win a championship. Um, as much as I like Luca, um, and I kind of like the idea of the Mavericks being successful. Um, I just think this Warriors team is too much. Um, so I'd have to give it a big fat zero. I'll give them the one win in the postseason, um, but it, there's no shot. Well, it's been a while, and I'm not sure if you've ever guaranteed anything, but um, I'll let you have the opportunity opportunity to guarantee a Golden State win tonight. 
You know, I have made one guarantee on this one. podcast, and it was about the Chargers making the Super Bowl, which I should have just waited. I shouldn't have given to yeah. them. But um, <laughs> we'll have to see how that plays out. But um, I will I will guarantee that the Dallas yeah. Mavericks will not make it to the NBA Finals. I will guarantee that. And you know what? I'm that's even going to guarantee. That's a soft, that's a soft on, no, guarantee. I, I'm following it up. I'm going to guarantee that the Golden State Warriors will win the NBA Finals as well, and we'll go six games. Over Boston. Over Boston. Look it. Mm. Take it to Vegas. Interesting. All right, Newman, (laughs) what do you think of this series? Do you agree with Dan? Do you think it's over? Does Dallas win another game? Yeah, it's over. I mean, it's so disappointing, right? Like, I feel like we missed out on a good chance to watch Warriors Suns, which I think would have been a very competitive series. But of course, you know, the Mavs win it in game seven. I mean, Luca, this this reminds me a lot of like Cavs Warriors back in the day where LeBron is trying to single handedly carry the Cavs to, to win. It's like Luca now has surpassed Jordan as the most points per game in, in playoff history. Um, I mean, he's doing it all and he's just not getting any help. So, I mean, it can only go on for so long. Sure, they can steal a game like they did in game four, but it's probably going to end tonight. It's, it's kind of disappointing that these playoffs have been kind of underwhelming as, as they've progressed. I mean, even the Celtics series has been kind of blowout after blowout. But, I think, I mean, Warriors-Celtics could be a good series, but I don't know. I mean, the, the Warriors are playing too well right now, back to, like, their 2016, 2017 years. So they'll probably get it done tonight, I'd say. Um. I picked Dallas uh, to win the series. Um, I was the only one of the four of us that did. Um, and I don't know, like this team has proven when their backs are against the wall that they can win. Um, we remember game seven on the road in Phoenix. They won. They I mean, they just smacked them. They won by 30 um, to move on to the Western conference finals. And, and I think, this team just feels a little bit different with Jason Kidd there than in years past. Like, I think this team will battle and I would not be surprised if they won tonight. I do. I think that they won the series. Probably not. It's going to be really hard to win. I mean, four straight games against a team like that, but I don't think they're going to go down easy. I think they're going to hang in there tonight. I think, you know, you're going to get a lot of, obviously you're going to get a lot of production from Luca. He's going to do what he's done all year and all playoffs, but I think you're also going to see Jalen Brunson have another good game. He had a really good, um, uh, he played really well up over there in San Francisco. Um, you know, I, and it comes down to a guy like Dorian Finney-Smith, right? Like, is he going to make four plus threes again? Is Reggie Bullock going to go 0-4 or is he, he going to, you know, drill four plus threes? Like, it, it, it's going to depend on a lot. I mean, Dallas hit 23s um, in game four, and, and I think that's kind of their keys to success. Don't really have a big man, so I think, you know, they're going to have to shoot. Um so it's going to be tough for Dallas. But, again, I think that they could win tonight. And, uh, and again, will they win the series? Probably not. But I'll give them a – probably I'll say I'll say they win tonight. It's 4-6, but we'll see what happens after that. Um, any final thoughts on basketball before we wrap up here? Boring. So go Celtics. Yeah, it, it's been really boring. And it is, it is a shame. But um, it's good when the Celtics win. That makes it all the better. Um, so we'll move on to hockey. Uh, I'm sure Newman and I have a lot to say about this. So we'll start. And I do remember um, when we were recording our last podcast, it was game one of Florida Tampa Bay. And, and I remember Newman saying that Anthony Duclair had scored and Florida was up one, nothing. And um, 
since that kind of happened, it was just, I mean, it was all Tampa. Uh, Tampa swept Florida um, with a 2 nothing win in game four on Monday. Um, Connor, you're the Lightning fan. You picked them to win the cup. I guess this can't come to a surprise for you. I mean, not really. I mean, I feel like our track record against Florida has been really good and beat them in six last year in, in dominating fashion, you know, you saw it in game seven against Toronto, Vasilevsky kind of, kind of turned it on and how, you know, first two games he kept turning it on and you now he's in full form, full playoff form right now. I don't think there's anyone on the planet who can stop him right now. So I feel bad for whoever wins the, the Carolina New York series, probably New York. I picked New York Tampa at mid season to meet in the conference final. I'm sticking to it, but uh, I mean, what a dominating series. I mean, by game four, Duclair was a healthy scratch. So Shows goes to show how desperate yeah. they were. Um, it's tough for Florida. I mean, the president's trophy curse lives on another year. I thought Bobrovsky played really well, but I mean, Huberto and Barkov were just invisible. I feel like they barely got on the score sheet at all. So yeah. tough series for them, but uh, Tampa moves on. So take it. Three goals all series for Florida, a team that was the best score, one of the best scoring teams in the league during the regular season. Uh, Dan, you had Florida. Um, you know, I won't hold you too, too much accountable because, you know, you're not a hockey guy, but, um, are you surprised that Tampa swept? Uh, I am surprised. I mean, obviously coming in Florida, very good team. Um, I'm not shocked to see Tampa Bay getting the upset and moving on, but in the fashion of a sweep, I just feel in hockey, a, a sweep is very rare. Um, or at least just from what I maybe remember, but it, it is a little surprising to me. I just wasn't expecting Tampa to come out like that and beat the best team in the league um, or one of the best teams in the league. I won't say the best, but um, definitely a surpriser for me. Yeah. And I think we have to touch on the Florida power play and how abysmal it was um, really all playoffs. I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me, Newman, but um, I mean, they were just atrocious um, really let them down. I mean, they were lucky um, to even win that series against Washington because the power play was that bad in that series as well. And it just carried over to this one. And I mean, Tampa Bay, like, like their power play just way, way, way better than Florida's in this series and really all playoffs. And again, Tampa got that depth production and Florida didn't and Florida just their top guys didn't get it done. And, you know, you kind of feel for a guy, right? Like Joe Thornton, who just might never win a Stanley cup and, for Andrew Brunette, like first year head coach here. Um, but they'll be back. They'll be really good again next year, I'm sure. And, you know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw this playoff matchup uh, a short year from now. Um, moving on to the other series, um, the series that's been kind of fun to watch, honestly. Um, Carolina won the first two games against the Rangers, 2-1 and then 2-0. And then the Rangers had – um, two big wins at home, three, one and four, one. Um, I had Carolina in my cup, uh, I had Carolina in my mid season as my mid season Stanley cup winner. Um, it's been a really good series. Newman, what have you seen from the Rangers? I mean, they've, they've battled back here to make this a series when it looked like things were going South quickly down to, well. Yeah, I mean, I was starting to get a little worried. I mean, Ranta played excellent game one. He shuts him out in game two. And then it's been all Mika's advantage ad there. He looks like Connor McDavid out there. I mean, this this series has been so fun to watch. I mean, he skates around so effortlessly. Him and, and Kreider, 
in uh, Truba has been playing unbelievable on the blue line with Fox. I mean, that power play is gross. Um, and Shesterkin has really turned it on as of late, proving why he's going to be the best of the winner this year. So I'm excited that it's 2-2. I mean, game five is tonight. I'll be watching for sure. It's going to be a great, a great series. I'm hoping it goes seven, tire both these teams out. But um, I'm, I'm rooting for the Rangers. I know they deserve, really deserve a shot at the cup, um, the way their players are playing. So I'm excited. Dan, how confident are you still in the Carolina Hurricanes? I don't know if I was ever confident. I'm never confident <laughs> in any of my hockey takes. Um, <laughs> it's two good teams. I, I don't know how much I want either team to win. Just Carolina gives me bad vibes. I don't like really their fan base that much. And it's hard to root for a New York team. Um, so this series, I've just not really paid much attention to. Um, so I can't really give a qualified or educated analysis or take on this series, but I, I, I mean, it's two, two right now. So I, I think it's more, more or less what we expected to happen so far. Yeah. Um, so I had Carolina in six games. I'm going to stand by that. I like them to win tonight um, at home. They've been a really dominant home team all playoffs. I don't know if they've lost at home yet. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, been really stout defensively. And that's why I picked them. I, you know, in the last episode, I noted their top six and how really good it is. And I think Brendan Smith, right. He's a guy that is often slept on as maybe like an old guy. Still gets it done. Ian Cole, like I noted, has won two Stanley Cups with Pittsburgh. Like the experience on the back end. And obviously, you know, you talk about Pesci, D'Angelo, um, Slavin, like these sorts of guys. Like this is a Stanley Cup winning defense. And I didn't really care who they had in goalie. Um, obviously, Ronta's kind of faltered a little bit in the last couple of games. But again, I'm, I'm confident in him to bounce back. I know Freddie Anderson might be close to returning. Um, and again, they're just a team that I feel like could outscore the Rangers um, with, I just like their depth a little bit better. So I'm going to stand with Carolina in six games. I, I'm sure Newman's right. It'll be a good game tonight, but um, I don't know. I just got a, I got a good feeling about Carolina. Um, moving over to the Western conference. Um, what a game last night. I mean, what a fucking game last night. Um, I was going back and forth between the Celtics and the Avs blues uh, game five. Um, Newman, you want to break it down for us? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you, you you keyed me in. I had to flip over from the Celtics yeah. game. I mean, what a what a finish. I mean, the Avs seemingly ending the series with that Nathan McKinnon 200-foot beauty of a goal. Unfucking real Unfucking real And then in the final minute, Justin Falk, with the keep-in of his fucking life at the blue line, ends up scoring the tying goal with like 30 seconds left. And then who's, who scored the winner? Was it Bozak? Bozak. Bozak scores the winner in OT. I don't think it means anything. I think they're going to get smoked in game six, but at least it makes it a little more interesting. I thought the Avs had kind of dominated this series. You know, Bennington early on, I kept the minute, but after he got ran by Kadri unintentionally, but still got ran, you know, he's out for the playoffs. That kind of ended their hopes because he was playing so well and Huso was, not playing so well. He's playing terrible. Uh, rebound after yeah. rebound, but I mean, they're still in it. Game six, they're going back to St. Louis, but I, I don't give them much of a shot. I mean, that 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 goal by McKinnon, that's a guy who wants to win a cup. The guy who's talked and talked about how he hasn't won shit. Like, that. that's a guy, that's an effort you want to see out of a team that's trying to win a championship. So I think they take it in game six tomorrow. 
I think there's also something something to be said um, from the, I mean, a short three years ago, the St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup against uh, the Bruins, sadly. Um, and I think there's, like, to go down 3 nothing in that game and to come back to tie it, like, that's a culture right there. And Craig Berube, Steve Ott, um, you know, Van Ryan, like, these are coaches who have been there before and who know what they're doing. And I think it's kind of a culture there, right? Like, you go down 3 nothing. I feel like a lot of teams would have folded your start, your, the goalie that you were riding goes out, right, with an injury. The backup comes in. And I think most teams just kind of would have folded. But the Blues bounce back to get finally some production from Tarasenko in the series and Rob Thomas um, with a couple of goals as well. So I think to get that to OT was awesome. Even after McKinnon had that insane goal, like I remember sitting on my couch thinking that this shit's over. Blues are going home. Um, and one quick thing too about this, and I said this in our chat with CT, um, when the hell is Steve Ott going to get a head coaching job? Like I see this guy at the clipboard, Craig Berube, just chewing his gum, standing behind, just kind of watching. And Steve Ott's right there drawing up the play and just again, like that's awesome. And I think he's a guy that deserves a job soon. Uh, obviously has a cup to his name. And Newman brought up Justin Falk. I mean, what a fucking pass to Tarasenko, by the way. Also, to keep that puck in was nuts, but that pass to Tarasenko was great. I think that they could win game six, and I think that they might. Um, regardless, it'll be fun to watch. Dan, I think you might have maybe jinxed Colorado, saying in the chat that your all your hockey takes were doing so well, and then they, they kind of falter here, at least in game five. Um, I'm sure you're still pretty confident, though, in Colorado. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think – for two months now, they've been my number one team in our power rankings. Um, I just the beginning of the series, I think I had them winning in five. Um, so to kind of see them go out that way and not win in five, it's a little deflating, but I still have confidence that they'll win. They're a very good team. Um, I think I'll forever be a little afraid of St. Louis, uh, just scarred from that Stanley cup series with the Bruins. Um, just thinking that we would easily win that. And here comes St. Louis blues. Um, so they got fighting them, but I, I do think Colorado is talented. So I'm going to have to stick with my confidence in them. We've gone to the last series, and it's probably been the best one, um, Calgary and, and Edmonton. Um, Newman, um, Calgary seems to have a goaltending problem. Yeah, they do. Holy shit. I mean, Markstrom he had 11 shutouts in the regular season. He can't fucking stop a beach ball. He gets – there's nine put up on him in game one. He gets pulled in game four. He gives a three softies last night to, to or not last night, two nights ago to lose game uh, four. I mean, credit to the, the Oilers. I mean, Mike Smith has played very well. He's puck handling extremely well, not letting Calgary set up uh, in the offensive zone with their dump and chase play. So huge credit to him. But I mean, fucking Evander Kane has 12 goals. He fit in so well with the Oilers. And Connor fucking McJesus is playing the best hockey of his entire life. He has 19 assists. <laughs> He's he has been playing unbelievable. He's putting spin moves on defenders, making them look silly. Even after Rasmus Anderson scored from his own like blue line the other day to tie the game at three, didn't quit. He went right to work. Nugent Hopkins scores five minutes later, and McDavid sets up the ceiling goal later. I mean, he's been holy shit. I hope <laughs> he makes it to the cup. Um, I don't want him to win the cup. I want Tampa to win the cup, but I want him to play Colorado. That'd be an unreal series. Um, 
it's just a spectacle to watch. It's been a treat. Dan, you picked Edmonton. You were the only one of the podcast. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts? I honestly have nothing. I said it last time we were on the pod. There's no real reasoning or analysis I could give for why I picked Edmonton. It was a gut feeling. And I guess the series so far is showing just to stick with your gut because I mean, Edmonton's up three, one. Um, I don't know if I had them in six or seven. It was probably seven, um, but go Oilers. That's all I got. It was, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, you clearly are, uh, you know, something that we don't, um, I give Edmonton so much credit. Um, you know, game one, you lose nine to six. You give up three goals in the first seven minutes, two in the first 51 seconds. You pull Mike Smith. It was really over from there. Koskinen looked like shit. You go to game two. Again, it was a bad start. I believe they went down 3-1 again here on the road, putting, putting themselves in, in a tough hole. And they battled back, you know, Zach Hyman having an unreal series. I've been so impressed with him. Uh, I I believe he scored a couple goals in that game, right? They win 5-3. Game three, you know, you you protect home ice. You win a couple games here at home. And obviously Newman brought up, like, Rasmus Anderson scores from, like, the other end on Mike Smith. And, like, for a lot of teams, that would have been so demoralizing. But the Oilers bounced back and, and got that winner. And their offense is just surreal. Their power play is unbelievable. Um, McDavid, like, is the greatest hockey player I've ever watched. Um, it, it's insane. And I give Jay, Jay Woodcroft so much credit. They fired Dave Tippett midseason. They were the best team in the NHL, I believe, from the point on after they hired, after they hired Woodcroft. And, I mean, again, he, he has this team so under control, and I think it's it's awesome. And I'm pulling for the Oilers. So like, I said Calgary to the Western Conference Finals. I think I, like, guaranteed that. Um, I'm pulling for Edmonton. I, I'm rooting for McDavid here. Um, so that kind of wraps up our playoff talk. And um, if anybody has anything, please jump in. If not, we can go to the lineup card that I made this afternoon after work. Um, and we got – a fun little MLB lineup card. So we can get right into it. Um, and I will start with Newman. Um, outside of Fenway Park, what is one ballpark that you have not been to before that you'd like to visit the most? Um, that's a good question. I feel like the cop-out answer would be T-Mobile in Seattle, so I won't pick it. Um, I really want to go to PNC. Pittsburgh. Uh, I mean, it's just like the most beautiful ballpark, even though their team is absolute garbage. But I like, I play it in the show and I'm like, wow, this place is so beautiful. Uh, I really want to go there. That are like City Field, one of those like mid Atlantic fields. I feel like the atmosphere at City Field is pretty crazy. The fans are pretty nuts. So I like PNC though. It's, it's a really, really nice ballpark. Dan? Uh, my answer is going to be Coors Field. And the reasoning is a fun fact. You want to smoke Coors weed. Field has what? Never mind. I'm just kidding. Uh, Coors <laughs> Field has the cheapest beer in the entire league. Mm. So there you go. If you want to take a trip out to Colorado, catch a Rockies game, you'll get some cheap beer with it. That's elite thinking right there. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, the Padres ballpark. I don't know what it's called, but um, 
I, whenever I think of this ballpark, I think of MLB The Show and you just see those planes flying over. And just in general, San Diego is such a nice city, right? Like the entire everywhere else in California seems like utter trash. Like San Francisco, dump. Um, Los Angeles, dump. But San Diego actually seems pretty nice. So I would love to go there. Um, I think that would be pretty cool. Uh, I'll go to Dan first here. Outside of the Red Sox uh, roster, who is your favorite player in the game today? You see, this is such a tough question. I feel like there's so many different answers for this. Um, God. It would have to be either Vladdy Jr. or Bryce Harper. I think those would be my two off the, the jump without like actually looking into it. I, I mean – Vladdy, I, I just remember he was in the Fisher Cat system. So you kind of saw him grow up, even though he wasn't in the Red Sox organization, just him being in New Hampshire, you saw yeah. him kind of grow up yeah. and he's all, he's just a very good baseball player, fun to watch. Um, but I think Bryce Harper is the same way. He kind of has like an attitude or, or edge uh, to him that I, I really like. Um, I think a lot of people just think he's a dick. I don't see it like that. I think he's just a really good ball player and he's not soft. So I, I really like those two. So if I had to pick one, I'd probably go with Vladdy. Newman, who you got outside of the Mariners? Adam Harper is a good pick. I do. I love his his fiery attitude. It's so fun to watch. Um, I will. I'll go with Sandy Sandy Alcantara. My my favorite pitcher. He's so good. Dan stolen from me. He threw a, another complete game the other day. He he just Fucking spits try. out complete game shutouts. Like it's his job. He's so underappreciated. The Mar- the Marlins signed him to a, a steal of an extension. He's so good. He's could win the Cy Young this year. Freaking Pablo Lopez on his own team doesn't outshine him, but he's so cool and such a chill dude on on Instagram and and social media. Um, but yeah, it's super underappreciated pitcher. Um, for me, uh, this is tough. Um. Because I, I, I tend to get more attached to the team rather than the player. Um, but a couple players stand out. Obviously, Mike Trout. Um, I love Mike Trout. Always love Mike Trout. I think part of it was I just had him on my fantasy baseball team for like seven straight years. So I think that's part of it. Um, Taylor Ward's coming on. I really like him. I really like his attitude. Um, and also Bobby Witt. Like, I'm trying to get attached to more of these younger players that are kind of my age, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um uh, Bobby Witt, great energy, was the number one prospect and just does it all. Uh, he's had a really good year for the Royals uh, since he came up. So um, I would say probably Witt if I had to pick number one and then Trout and Ward as well. Um, question three, Newman, what is your favorite ballpark snack? Mm. I mean, if, if I'm trying to get dinner, I don't think you can beat the Fenway Frank. It's so delicious. Uh, but snack, I'm a big cotton candy guy. I get it every time I go to Fenway in the little, like, like tub. Uh, oh, yeah. It's, it's very good. Uh, so I, I would go with cotton candy. Dan? Um, well, I guess if we're not considering a hot dog a snack, like, if, it's, if it can be a snack, which I think one hot dog can be considered. Yeah, we can, considered. I would go. With, I would go with a hot dog. But if we're excluding it from the conversation because it could be a meal, um, I would just have to go with popcorn. I absolutely love popcorn. I, I'm pretty sure I've been on the pod talking about how much I love like <laughs> popcorn and that stuff. Um, so I definitely have to go with popcorn. Probably not traditional for an MLB game, but I feel like some parks maybe sell like a bag or something. 
Yeah, no, this is uh, because what is one Fenway Frank gonna fill you up? Probably not, in my opinion. Um, but snack, I'm with Newman. I love the cotton candy, like it's so good. Like I, I could go through like three of those at, at a game. Um, love the blue cotton candy. It's fire, and um, I love it. Um, all right, Dan. What is an underappreciated part of baseball that you enjoy that is not often talked about enough? Oh, God. I was not prepared for this question. Um, an underappreciated part of baseball. I, I guess I have to go with, like, this is going to be really weird to explain, and I think I've just, like, kind of experienced it again coaching with the – uh, baseball team uh, at the high school, but like just the atmosphere of baseball itself, it's really chill. I can understand why a lot of people think it's boring, but just like the overall atmosphere of a baseball game, like you don't have to be too like involved in watching it, but at the same time, it's very entertaining to watch, at least I think. Um, so I just, the overall atmosphere of a baseball game, it's not like the NFL where it's like, you're very locked in and it's like very intense. Baseball is kind of chill, but also entertaining at the same time. So I think that combination uh, to make the atmosphere of baseball is very underrated that a lot of people our age don't really appreciate. Um, I, I really appreciate how much pitchers do their homework before they face a lineup. I was watching a video here in my quarantine the other day on, uh, on Kyle Hendricks. He threw a complete game shutout a couple years ago and he broke it down and Basically, he spends like seven hours the day before looking at the lineup, what they do. Like when he gets two strikes, they like to swing at this. On on one strike, they like to swing at this. It's insane how much the pitchers prepare the, the night before and the week before. It's like things like that. You see them just go out to the mound and throw pitches. As a casual fan, you're like, oh, that's cool. But like when you really get into it, like they they do so much homework. It's such a mental game for the pitchers. I think it's just such a cool aspect of baseball. For me, I love a good ejection. I love watching some arguments. I don't know what about it. I've always loved it since I was younger. Just like seeing these people just yell at each other is hilarious. Um, and I think it's a good tactic for like a manager too. If their team is going through a slump. Uh, I remember the Red Sox were kind of cold and it was a game down in Atlanta just a couple of weeks ago, maybe, maybe a little bit more. And, uh, it was a pitch to Pawecki and it was obviously low and the, the umpire called it a strike. It was with the bases loaded, like three, two count and they needed the run. And uh, like, he comes out, like screams at the ump, like gets tossed. And it's like, it, I feel like that's good to see that your manager get, can get fired up like that, that he, that he cares. Um, and I think like the Red Sox got hot after that had happened. And I, I know there's probably not a direct correlation, but I think like, yeah, the team was going through some struggles, but your manager is so fired up and still cares so much, and I think I think that says says a lot. So I think it's a good tactic, and it's also entertaining for the viewer. Um, question five: Would you this for Newman? Would you rather go to a baseball game during the day or at night? What do you got? I I hope everyone says night. Who the fuck wants to go during the day? I went during the day the other day. My my shoulders are peeling from the sunburn I got. Fucking. There's less fans during the day. I feel like the atmosphere at night, there's a people are not at work. They can go to the game. I feel like most playoff games are at night. The, just the ambiance of like, you know, being at Fenway Park during at night is fucking awesome. I mean, you got like prime time matchups. So 
I'd rather go at like the 710 star than like the, the 1235 or the one like blazing heat. No, it's got to be night. Dan, what do you got? It's got to be night. I think there's nothing better than a night game at Fenway. It's just any game. All the primetime games are at night. All the best games are at night. So it's got to be a night game. Yeah, I'm with you guys. Um, love a good night game. Um, too, I mean, and if it's the summer and there's a sunset going and, you know, you get that orange sky at Fenway, I think that's always, like, so awesome to see. Um, so I'm with you guys. Um, we'll go to Dan for this next one. Uh, what is your best memory or favorite memory from a baseball game that you've been to live? So middle of July, bottom of the eighth, uh, Red Sox-Yankees. Red Sox have absolutely no hits down for nothing. They get five straight hits that leave to five straight runs. And then Barnes gets the save with three straight outs. Absolutely electric stadium was dead for eight straight innings. And for one half inning, really inning and a half, or I guess an inning, if you take the bottom and the top of the eighth and the ninth, pure insanity from the crowd. It Absolutely electric. One of the best moments because it's also Red Sox Yankees and there's a ton of Yankees fans talking trash the entire game for that to happen. That was amazing. That was one of the best games I've ever been to. And then it must've been nice afterwards to just maybe say, fuck you to all the Yankee fans, flip them off. Oh, it was wicked funny. (laughs) Um, No, it's hilarious. Um, Newman, what do you got? I mean, you just had a great experience this past uh, week here. I did. I'll, I'll, I'll get to that one. I think the other one I, I distinctly remember was the, I think it was 2013, the ALCS against the Tigers. I went with my dad uh, to game six and Shane Victorino hit a, a grand slam in the eighth inning to, to take the lead, clinch the series. I mean, I've never seen Fenway more, more ecstatic. So that was a cool moment, but yeah, this weekend I went to the, the Mariners game right before I got COVID and I, I met Logan Gilbert's parents and I got a ball from him uh, that he used in his bullpen session, which was fucking made my whole year. So that was pretty dope. That's so that's so cool. Um, for me, and I, Colin could share this memory with me. Um, about ten years, maybe more ago, um, we went with our dads, and um, it was um, it was it was just hilarious. Uh, it was Kelly Gray was on the mound. Uh, threw up and in on David Ortiz. You don't like it a couple times. Um, and then he throws one. Ortiz kind of flies out to center field lazily. And, um, you know, they made the catch, but then Ortiz charges them out. It was hilarious. Um, and it's so funny because we had kind of left at that point and we were kind of walking out. And then we had heard like all the mayhem. And I remember we all kind of ran back up to see it. Um, but just kind of unreal um, that that had kind of happened. Um, moving on, starting with Newman, uh, you're the GM of the Mariners. Uh, what is one move you're looking to make as we wrap up May? Um, well, currently we sit in last place in the West, which is pretty embarrassing considering <laughs> we just got smoked by the A's. Honestly, I like the roster. I think we would definitely need to bring in a better better pitching because i don't think robbie ray's very good to be honest um and chris flexen doesn't have it this year but i like bringing in winker and suarez like they've been really good 
Um, Kyle Lewis just got back. Like, he's been great. So, honestly, I wouldn't be doing too much. Maybe just try to add, like, a, one of the, the arms that are available, like a Frankie Pontas. I know he's probably available just to shore up that rotation. But I, I'm, I think they'll turn it around eventually, hopefully. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you too. I picked up Suarez in my other league. Like, do you think he's worth it? I know he won't give you the average, but he'll give you the homers, right? He's been very good. Like the homers have steadily come and he's been getting a lot of doubles. So I've been, I've been really happy with him. Good, good. Um, Dan, you're the GM of the Red Sox. Um, what is one move you're looking to make, uh, as we wrap up May? Can I be the step above a general manager so I can fire Bloom? Is that allowed? <laughs> Or do I yeah, have to could, just take it? Yeah, no. Yeah, you could do that. Sure. All right. So my unrealistic one is to fire Heim Bloom because get your small market ass out of my ball club. Um, <laughs> but I guess a realistic one, um, I, I just don't know if there's any move you could really realistically make to fix this team. So I'd honestly just try and ham, hammer out a contract extension with Bogarts. I know Rafael Devers doesn't really want to do it in season, um, but I'd get the checkbook out and give him an offer. He really can't ignore. Um, but I'd try to get one of those two guys to sign now, or at least some point in June or July. Um, I really don't want this going any longer. I think they're two good players, um, too good to kind of let this go on. So that would probably be my first move. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I think my move would be to bring up Jaron Duran. Like, just leave him up here. Um, gives you good speed. Um, I'll take his bat over JBJ's bat any day of the week. And uh, I think that's kind of just – it's a move that I've been waiting for them to make. And you could also make the case about Casas. I, you know, I think Duran is probably the move first. Um, so, I think get him up here. Get him playing every day. Like, have him steal some bags. Like, he'll hit like, and, and I think it's a move that they should consider making uh, pretty soon. You saw the Cardinals call up um, Nolan Gorman this past week. And uh, like he had a three hit game and a second career game. Like I think these young players um, can bring a lot of energy to a club. And I think, you know, bringing him up and, and kind of giving JBJ less at bats would be a really positive thing for the Red Sox as they really are heating up um, as well. I mean, big credit there to Trevor story as he has gotten, red hot um um i'd like to just chime in real quick sure um my second thing would have been like to bring up casas um I, i'd assume with devers obviously you'd probably put the guy at like first um but the, somebody i've kind of come to appreciate is actually franchi cordero i think the difference between franchi cordero last season and this season i mean we just saw the grand slam that he had the other day but he's he's getting on base he's putting the ball in play and it's just so much better than what he used to be like this is a guy we like couldn't get a hit would strike out all the time. And now he's actually kind of producing on offense. So it, I think it's interesting. We were talking about bringing up Casas to light a fire uh, in this offense, but I think Franchi Cordero is actually doing a pretty good job of doing his job and actually doing what he's supposed to do on this team offensively. That's a good point. Um, it'll walk off grand slam uh, not too long ago. Um, question eight, this is kind of a loaded question. Um, which, and I'll start with Newman, which active player in the league right now do you believe will be considered the best 20 years from now, looking back on our times? I know that's a loaded question. Like best of all time or like? Yeah, like kind of the best player. Like looking back on it, like 
of the current players right now, who will have kind of the best career? I know it's a loaded question. Um, I, I can think of two. I think Aaron Judge has just been unbelievable, and he's so young. And he hits, he's up to like 17 homers right now. He's on pace for like 60 plus. It's ridiculous. I think he'll keep that up. Um, and then Josh Hader, he's only 28. I know like Mariano pitched until he was like 42 or something like that. If Josh Hader continues to do what he did for the next 14 years, he will be better than Rivera. He has yet to give up a run this year. Last year's ERA was like 1.2 over a full season. I mean, he's unhittable. It's ridiculous. Um, so I'm, I'm rooting for him to keep up what he's doing. So, uh, Dan, what do you think? So are we not considering Mike Trout in this scenario? We are. No, you well, can, I yeah, feel like it had to be Mike Trout. Trouty. He, yeah. I think you could argue at this current moment in time, you could say he's the best ever. So I think 20 years down the road when he has even um, – more seasons to play. I mean, he's probably finally going to make the postseason this year. Hopefully, uh, uh, I, I think even 20 years from now, we'll be talking about Mike Trout being the best uh, baseball player of all time. Uh, that's a good one. Um, I think he, he's going to have to win at some point. I think like all these players are going to have to win, kind of to yeah. consider that. Um, I thought of Trout. I thought Trout was a good one. Um, and I also thought of Bryce Harper. Just because this guy just is getting better as his career keeps going on. I think he's worth the money that Philadelphia gave to to him. Uh, and then it's like you could look at some of these prospects. Like, who knows about, like, Bobby Witt, like, Nolan Gorman, like, all these kind of younger guys. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if it was one of them. Um, you know, as rookies, right, it just, like, as they get older, they're primed to put up better numbers and and, and all this stuff. So I think there's a lot of potential here with, like, the younger ones, like the 20, the 20, 21, 22 year olds. Uh, but obviously right now I look at it and I say probably Trout or Harper, but they got to get rings. So we'll see what happens there. Um, and lastly, um, what is one current storyline in baseball that has your attention? And I'll start with Dan. One headline. I feel like. Obviously, the one that has my attention is that the Red Sox are currently below 500. I feel like that storyline in itself, as of right now, would catch my attention because coming into the season, I don't think any of us thought that we'd be below 500. Um, maybe fourth in the division, but I just I really did not expect this team to come out as flat as they did. I know they're kind of turning it around right now, but no offense, Newman, we did just play the last place uh, AL West Mariners to get a sweep. And just before that, uh, we got swept by the White Sox who are not doing so well themselves. So I, the, this team is interesting. I, I'd like to see how they finish the month of May and even the start of June, but uh, this team and how flat they started the year is definitely a storyline that I think caught all of our attention. Newman? Yeah, I think along that same track, I think just early early World Series favorites are not doing so hot, specifically the White Sox, like Dan mentioned. They're only a game above 500. I think we all thought they would just run away with that, that weak division. And the Blue Jays, only three games above 500. I think they were my AL representative, I want to say. That by the White Sox. So tough starts for them, but their pitching is so good that I, I can't imagine that this lasts any longer. I'm sure they'll bounce back. 
playing the Sox again tonight, the White Sox are, so that'll be fun to watch. But it's just weird to see those teams struggling out of the gate. Um, I did have the Mariners winning the AL West, and I also – I do remember our pod um, when I was just destroyed for saying – that the White Sox wouldn't make the playoffs. Um, I don't know. I know there's a lot of time left, but I was just humiliated. And um, that kind of ties into my storyline. I think the Minnesota Twins, I had them winning this division 27 and 17 right now. And they're getting really good pitching uh, from Joe Ryan, who has COVID right now. But, you know, he's been unbelievable. And I think coming into the year, he was a guy that I looked at and thought, this guy had a really good end to the year. He had a whip under one last year and in limited innings, and he's proven that he can be an ace. And uh, you look at Sonny Gray, too. He's had a really good start. Um, Bailey Overs had a good start. So I think the Twins are getting starting pitching. And you look at that lineup, like Arias leads the league in, on base percentage at, like, .445. Like, he's been unreal, hits all the time. Um, but my one key storyline with the Twins is that Byron Buxton – Ofer's last 24. This guy got so much hype, by the way, at the beginning of the year when he was hitting homers every time. Ofer's last 24, three for his last 40. Um, and he's hitting 130 in his last 77 at bats. So a guy who had a lot of hype coming in, really struggling um, in his last few games. 0 for 5, 0 for 4, 0 for 4, 0 for 3, 0 for 4, 0 for 4, 1 for 5, 1 for 4. So he's just not getting it done. And he's not being that AL MVP uh, favorite that a lot of people kind of had him pegged as after a week into the season. Um, so that's what I got. And um, I'll throw it over to Dan to walk us through some power rankings before we wrap. Absolutely. I think it's been a while since we've covered these or maybe the first time we've covered these MLB rankings on the pod besides the original ones. About them. Yeah. Um. You got something to say? Oh, no, no, no. All right, we're good. All right. Um, so coming in at number one, we have the New York Yankees, uh, and that will be followed by the Los Angeles Dodgers at two, the Houston Astros three, New York Mets four, San Diego Padres five, uh, the Anaheim Angels at six, uh, the Milwaukee Brewers at seven, Minnesota Twins at eight, St. Louis Cardinals nine, Tampa Ray. Bay Rays at 10, Toronto Blue Jays 11, and the San Francisco Giants at 12. I do know on the Instagram we caught some flack for not having the Red Sox in here. Uh, none of us had a vote for the Red Sox uh, to be in the <laughs> top 12. But uh, the, these rankings, they haven't really moved a lot. So um, I, I, I have nothing really to say. I think the rankings are fine. I will say the five and six spot between San Diego uh, and Anaheim, it's just been flipping back and forth just mm -hmm. every week. Um, I guess I'll start it off. I mean, does anyone want to tell Colin that the Mets starting pitching is like depleted? Does, does, I don't know. One of us can tell him. I don't know if he's gotten the memo on Scherzer and uh, whoever the hell else. Chris Bassett's been awful lately too. So I don't know. I don't know if he's aware uh, of that, but – the Mets to me are not the number one team when you have the Yankees and the Dodgers. So I would push back hard on Colin if he was here, but he's not. Um, so I'll have to do it on the chat. Um, and then outside of that, really, it looks fine. Um, I will say Newman, I think the Cardinals should be a little higher. 
Um, one of the best offenses in baseball and Paul Goldschmidt's been right up in there with, in my opinion, deserving some NL MVP conversation uh, almost a third of the way through the year. So I would say the Cardinals are a top 10 team in the end that they're trending up. Uh, I'm really scared of that offense, but again, outside of that, no complaints here. Yeah, I think, I think when you look at the top of the list, really, I mean, you notice they all have pitching staffs that go three, four, five guys deep. I mean, the Yankees, the Yankees might be the exception with the, the exceptional performance of Cortez lately, but I mean, the Dodgers, obviously they're four guys deep Houston, like Valdez, Garcia, Verlander, even like the angels, Patrick Sandoval is a one point ERA. He was my sleeper player of the year. He's been fantastic. Obviously Otani, like Milwaukee and three guys deep. So I think that's a trend that we're seeing these, these pitchers, especially with how dead the ball is this year. Those t- these teams with big rotations are are getting it done. I mean, the, obviously the Red Sox have Yavaldi, and that's kind of it. And probably that's why they're not up here. Who's um, giving up the most homers in in baseball? Yeah, like even he's been tough. So it's, three. those those teams with the elite pitching staffs, they all have good closers. Um, so actually, yeah, they all have exceptional closers. <laughs> um, so. It's also why the Red Sox aren't on here. Exactly. Like there's there's a there's a formula to, to being a good team. It's just the Red Sox <laughs> refuse to follow it. <laughs> Small market, Heim Bloom. Yeah. So there we go. Uh, good to go over the power rankings um, as well. And Dan, before we wrap here, you want to talk a little bit about our plans with Gridiron? Uh, yes, I will. Um, so is very far out from the NFL season and even NFL training camp starting. But I think what we're going to do for gridiron and really it's about the power rankings that can be associated with the clubhouse, but it's basically gridiron. Um, every week, I believe we're going to uh, highlight four teams. We've kind of made like a tentative ranking. So this is nowhere near a final NFL ranking or power ranking. Um, it's just kind of going to be used to highlight teams, what they've done in the off season, kind of how we feel about them. Um, so every week we're going to have four teams that we kind of list, uh, starting with 32 and working our way down to one. Uh, and then once we're actually close to the training camp, we'll have a final preseason power ranking, I guess. So that's kind of what, uh, to look forward to over this summer edition of the gridiron, maybe a couple like I'll probably make a mock draft, talk about some prospects later in the summer, but that's mainly what uh, Gridiron's going to be at this point. Yeah, sounds awesome. And um, now that it's summer, now that we have some more free time, um, also keep an eye out for some more video clips on the Instagram. We, we're going to try to, you know, bring back the TikTok that we started and well, that I started and then did nothing with. Um, I was going to say, we never started that. We just made an account. Yeah, the account was made. That that's uh, that's all that really happened. And um, now it's summer too. We're gonna try to get some more guests on here. So we got some big plans here uh, under the clubhouse convos umbrella, for lack of a better term. Um, so stay posted. Again, follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter, um, and, and keep listening. Um, and if you made it all the way through, you're pretty fucking awesome. Um, any final thoughts, gentlemen, before we we get out of here? All good. All right. We'll see you in episode 60 and a week from now. Later. Peace. Put your tears away. No fear today. 
You can drive off towards that summertime sunset It's what you ain't done yet Take the keys, leave the regrets Write your letters, place your bets I'll be the one who accepts you know,